Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we've got all the recording yeah, devices going. running. Morning. Morning, Murray. How are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Did you survive the wet week? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I did. Nothing like my house didn't get washed away. So, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I heard that there were like some people in our community who had like, you know, like ride on lawnmowers washed away and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, I do have a bone to pick with you. Yeah. I think you like jinxed my family last night. So yeah. I'm like asleep at like... Like 12.30 at night, you know, all of us sound asleep. And then suddenly the intercom for, like, our front door in our apartment started, like, going off. <laughs> like, waking up my entire family. And, like, Em was just freaking out. She's like, what is going on? She, like, quickly got up because I was still half asleep because she's a lighter sleeper than yep. me. And, like, answered it. It was a new Breeds delivery for another apartment. <laughs> I was like... At midnight? At midnight. At midnight. There you go. Yeah. So these are the kind of crazy parties that are happening in our apartment on there a Sunday go. night. But uh, yeah, I couldn't help but think of the, uh, you know, friend coming to his neighbor's yeah, door at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Look, just to yeah. confirm, because we did speculate on Sunday yep. whether I would be mad, I was pretty upset. <laughs> my, ba- my baby had been woken up. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my night last night. How was your night there last you night? Um, actually quite restful. The Good kids slept you. through. What? I know, it was pretty wild, actually. It doesn't happen too often. What's slept through? Like, they didn't wake up in the middle of the night, okay. like they normally do. So go to bed at, like... Uh, they went to bed pretty late. They were pretty naughty. It was about 8.15 by the time okay. they conked out. They should need to be in bed by 7. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and then and then waking up at... They woke up... Asher came in about 6 o'clock. Okay. Which is, like, really good. Like, yeah, yeah they slept for, like, sleep. 10 hours. That's yeah, good yeah. Sleep. So you're just feeling like a new man this morning. I am, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm used to being... them going down, like, 7, 7.30, waking yeah. up at, like, 11, midnight, staying up for an hour or so. Yeah. And, like, Man. Yeah. Never getting into that deep REM. Yeah, I know. So. I so, we're, um, yeah, looking at prayer on mm. the weekend. Um, and it was quite interesting because um, it was something that you brought up as well that actually... The Lord's Prayer is like slightly different. Yeah, in Luke. In 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 the different Gospels. Mm. So you kind of chose to go with the Luke version because there's also some like cool teaching mm. on prayer in that. Um, I suppose I'd love to like ask because I don't actually know this myself. What are the differences between the two ooh, Lord's ooh. Prayers? How about I read both out? Yeah, that so, could be helpful. Yeah, so I'm reading from the older. Okay. Is that the one where no women are included? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it exactly. You it's just <laughs> Sorry, it's just uh, brothers. Sure. You know. Okay, that's right. But sisters are included. Are. Just for well, those listening. Well, for a bit of it's a Delphoi. It's yeah. meant to be like so translated as brothers. It's meant yeah. to be inclusive. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Greek is important. <laughs> it's important. So yeah. Um, so this is from Matthew chapter six, from verse nine. It says here, "This is how you should pray." Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Mm. So that's the Matthew version. Cool. So the Luke 11 is like an abridged version. Yeah, it is. Um, so it just says, um, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. No, your will be done no. on earth as it is in heaven. No, none of that. Um, there is, um, well, I could get a bit nerdy here. Actually, this is what the point of the podcast is, is to point. be nerdy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if in my Bible there's a little footnote which says some manuscripts say, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, so that's what we call a textual variant. Do you remember right. those, Murray? Yeah, I in do. Greek? Yeah. I do. And it's so, obviously, whoever translated Luke must have thought, I know the Matthew's prayer and added that on to make it sound better. It's like the end of Matthew's Lord's Prayer. Some have, for yours is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's not original. It's been added on later. Yes, because I, like, in scripture class as a kid, didn't learn that part. Yep. And then, like, was very confused when people started praying that. Mm. And, like, even, I remember a couple of years ago at church, we prayed that pr- like the Lord's Prayer together. Yep. I think at the end of a members meeting, mm. and like half the room, and yours is the power. And yeah, it's like kingdom the other power. Half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I can't even know. So yours is the it's kingdom. kingdom power and the glory forever. Amen. Because I didn't learn that. I could say the rest yeah. of the Lord's Prayer off by heart, except for that part. <laughs> it wouldn't be that much effort to learn it, but no. I just that was kind of what was taught to me as a kid. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, so this is like such a famous prayer. It really is. And I think we can, like, sometimes miss, you know, the the gems which are in it. Mm. And partly, which you kind of, like, um, spoke about yesterday, because there's maybe, like, a little bit of jargon in there. Like, Mm. hallowed. We don't really, like, say hallowed a lot in just, like, everyday conversation these days. No. But it's kind of, like, a really deep and beautiful word. It is. I think, too, it's, um, if you changed it, people would not understand the prayer because the King James Version had hallowed mm. and so it's almost become part of like at least Christian vernacular mm. where I, I made that reference and there's a couple of references in scripture of God making his name holy but essentially it's hallowed it's like make holy your name mm. and so it, but that idea of hallowed it really just revs it in there hallowed mm. be your name you know what that means yeah. it sounds a lot more you know, powerful than make your name holy it's really interesting. I can't help but think of, like, I'm going to just, like, go slightly mm. off track for a second. Um, if you're an actor and you have a script, they say, like, some of the juiciest lines that you can have is where your character says another character in the play's name. Because mm. the way that you say that other person's name can tell the audience so much about how you feel about that, how your character feels about that okay. character, yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, like, the way that we speak somebody's name Mm. can, like, say so much about our relationship with that person, how we feel about that person. Um, I know even um, I was teaching a class last semester, and uh, one of my students was, like, had grown up Jewish. Mm. And when, yeah, so when he was writing um, essays, he asked if he could write God just like G hyphen D. Yeah, yeah. Because like that. in like Jewish culture, they have so much reference for mm. like the, the name of God. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. How do you think that like changes our, our posture towards God when we have that much reference for his name? Well, what's interesting is, um, so in Matthew's definitely it's Aramaic and we're assuming, well, Jesus speaking Aramaic, I should say, in Matthew's Lord's Prayer. And you'd assume the same for, for Luke's. I was reading a book which said that in... Because Hebrew as a language wasn't spoken at that time mm. for the Jews. And so this book 
argued that when Jesus prayed Abba, like Father mm. in Aramaic, mm. he was using the common language that a lot of Jews would only pray in Hebrew. It's mm. almost like, you know, Muslims still continue to use yeah. the kind of Arabic. Yeah. And so he's saying he's re- Jesus by using Abba, Father, instead of Hebrew, it's actually, you can approach God in the common man language. Quite interesting theory. It's the only place I read that book. It's a guy called um, Kenneth Bailey. He's sure. an English guy who lived in Lebanon for 40 years. And so he's yeah. written books, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. And so he argues that in his chapter on the Lord's Prayer, is that the, even just the word, Abba, Father, it's this idea that God can be approached by anyone. It's mm. not this special, sacred, holy language. Because um, I was reading some other things. Jews had a number of prayers that they would say. And Jesus, like the Lord's Prayer isn't... It's kind of Jesus riffing off some of the other Jewish prayers that were around, but it's a lot shorter. And in Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, just before it, he goes on about, you know not babbling on like the pagans mm. think that they will be heard by their many words. And it's like, mm. hey, your, your father knows what you need before mm. you ask him. And then this is how you should pray. And it's quite short and condensed. Mm. And it's interesting. It's like we, we're with God, is he's approachable by anyone, but he's not like the other pagan gods. Mm. He, you can use any language to approach him. And, yeah. and in Greek, the word father, where is it? Um, Put... <laughs> Pater, there you go. Pater, you can yeah, kind of see yeah, where yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can see that. <laughs> um, it's a word that it would use, you know, for a teacher or like your own father in that sense. But it's a term of respect, but also of closeness. Sure. And so that's this idea here of God being. I think I said yesterday, God's distant, and holy, but yet mm. still near enough. So there's some interesting thoughts there. It is interesting because then when we look at the word father in English, Mm. that can feel a little austere and distant. Yes. Like, I know that obviously there's a generational thing here, Mm. but I don't know what your... Would you just call your dad dad? Yeah, just dad, yeah. If I called my dad father, he would probably crack up because, like, I was just like, are we in a Charles Dickens novel? Like, what is going on? It's more of a joke. I'd say, hey, father, mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right. Put on the accent. So, like... Even, like, our father mm. now, like, just with sort of, like, modern translation and stuff, mm. it is interesting because it has maybe, in my mind, a bit of, like, emotional distance. Mm. I think of a bit of a, like, you know, emotionally yes. distant <clears throat> yep. father figure. Um, but then, I don't know, is there something with dad that almost mm. is, like, too approachable? Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, do we yeah. lose, like, the fear yeah. of the Lord with... Mm. I mean, I don't know. I personally am not a fan of daddy. Yes. Some people pray yeah. daddy and that's great for them. That, for me, like, feels odd. But yeah. like, And I there's think... a bit of misconception about Abba being, like, what children would use, like daddy. Sure. There's no real evidence, like what I've been reading around in commentators, say that Abba meant, like, the equivalent of our daddy. I, I think mm. it's a bit of a... One, yeah, sometimes Christians latch onto things which aren't necessarily true and it just sort of becomes truth because they hear it in sermons yeah. and you actually read, like, a commentary and yeah. you're like, eh... I don't really see the evidence of that. Yeah, so sure. I've never been comfortable with the idea of daddy. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think if it, like, if it works for you mm. and you have, like, good theology, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, it's, always, it's been, like, an interesting thing for me. Like, Heavenly Father. Like, Heavenly mm. Dad. I don't know. 
it is like an interesting thing because I feel like father has like changed its its connotations yes. for people. Like and this is, again, we're going way off topic here, but this is why understanding the Bible in its original context and language is important because mm. we bring into scripture our own worldview. Sure. And what a word in English means is very different to what the original authors. Yeah. Well, even the fact we're reading this in English, which has been translated from <laughs> Greek, which was translated from yeah. Aramaic, it kind of got these yeah, totally. divides almost. Yeah. It, it, these barriers come up, these cultural barriers. And yeah. so we can read into scripture things oh, that aren't yeah. necessarily there. Totally. So, like dumb example, like, you know, Jesus came across a woman who was sick. It's like, was she ill or was she wearing like Nike TNs? Like, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> like, <was> she... <laughs> and it's like, like, but it's that thing, like yeah, words yeah, just yeah. like take on their different mm. meaning over time. Okay, so yep. Father, hallowed be your name. Mm. Your kingdom come. Mm. So, I made one reference briefly yesterday to Ezekiel about God. Yeah. Um, making his name holy. I'll mm. read that out again. So this is from Ezekiel 36. And Ezekiel 36, the heading... I'm just going to move this up. The heading says, A prophecy to the mountains of Israel. Which, mm. you know, sounds pretty intense. Epic, yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. But essentially, it's about the exiles who are in Babylon returning. Mm. And so, obviously, the exiles have committed a number of sins, uh, suffering you know, the punishment, which mm. was foretold. And so in order for sins to be um, rectified, there needs to be cleansing. Mm -hmm. And so with the temple gone, mm. how is God going to offer cleansing? And so Ezekiel, uh, I'll read it out from verse 23. It says, I will show the holiness of my great name, which you can mm -hmm. kind of hear that language yeah, in the Lord's Prayer coming sure. through, um, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am this is Yahweh, or the Lord, declares the sovereign Yahweh, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. And so that's that. Uh, hallowed be your name, that mm. idea, make yourself holy. I'll read verse 24. I'll take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. And so mm. what that little riffing of hallowed be your name mm. is what some commentators argue is we're meant to sort of allude back to, say, passages like Ezekiel 36, yeah. this idea of the kingdom coming. And then because in a, the book of Zechariah, which I don't know if many people have ever read Zechariah, it's a very, very weird book of flying horsemen. And, <laughs> <you know. laughs> it's... This idea that um, Yahweh would return back to Jerusalem, and uh, look, I won't read it all out, but essentially <laughs> Zechariah, it, it's foretelling the Messiah ruling and reigning, mm. the kingdom's arrival. Mm. Um, there's a famous um, allusion of here from chapter 9 of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Jesus fulfills that. That's like the famous kind yeah. of Zechariah qu quote. quote yeah. 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 And, um, but that idea is the kingdom's rival is where the Messiah is ruling and reigning. Mm. So part of that is this Jewish expectation of God's rule and reign, sin being eradicated. Mm. Um, 
yeah, the book of Daniel, Daniel 7, he sees the four beasts coming out of the ocean. Mm. And then after the fourth beast comes out, mm. we see the Son of Man mm-hmm. riding on the clouds of heaven. And it takes over the beast and it sits at the right hand of God. And, yeah. and, and then Daniel 2, he sees the statue with gold, silver, bronze and clay. Then the yeah. big stone smashes it. And then the Son of Man, mm. the, king, the Son of David's ruling and reigning. So it's all these images mm. tied in of God's kingdom coming mm. the defeat of evil yeah i feel like people read revelation and be like what like this is crazy and it's like oh like just read some of the like old testament prophets like it's really riffing off like yeah so much of that imagery right like well you have to actually understand the old testament to understand the new and so in that little in those little line father hallowed be your name Mm. there's a lot of scripture yeah referred to you meant to think back of yeah god honoring his name Mm. God sprinkling people clear. And I said mm. yesterday, that's part of the gifting at the end. It's it's mm. framed in that, the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so that sprinkling of water, that's not just physical water. It's God's Spirit cleansing hearts. So I've got a question. Mm. So it says, like, hallowed be your name. Mm. Like, what is the name that they're referring to? There? Yeah, the name of God. So that would be Yahweh. Okay. Um, so in, in the Bible, names aren't just a way to identify something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just Murray, I'm mm-hmm. Mitch. Mm-hmm. And that's a way so that we know who we've, this person here is Murray, this person here is Mitch. Sure. In the Old Testament, names revealed character, yeah, characteristics. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when, this is why the Jews wouldn't use God's name as part of the commandment, not using the Lord's name in vain. And this is why when he says... Um, God says to Moses at the burning bush, I am who I am, or what we think in is the closest Yahweh. Yeah. It's a revelation of God's character. He's unchanging. And so you actually see, until that moment at the bush, the only time, if you look in English, it says Lord in capitals, mm-hmm. Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only used by the narrator, not by a character. Mm. The name's not spoken until it's revealed to Moses. It's mm. God's character being revealed, this unchanging nature of him mm. i am who i am uh mm. does that make sense well no it does yeah i think <clears throat> what, what i'm intrigued mm. by is um i agree with what you're saying okay i'm glad <laughs> but i think it's interesting why is there so much confusion so for example i think of like a jehovah's witness mm. who's like and i look i know i'm opening up a whole can of worms here but they like think like specifically like mm. jehovah yeah. needs to be like the name which is proclaimed mm. or like you see other names for yahweh like mm. elohim or yep. jireh well like, elohim's just god sure for god yeah, yeah sure so would it be bad theology to pray to like holy elohim no And would it it be bad theology to go, you know, um, uh, providing gyra? We pray pray to you. Yeah, I I don't think so at all. Because what the scripture does is God's character is progressively revealed throughout. And we get to the New Testament Mm. and it's revealed in Jesus. The word became flesh and Mm. dwelt amongst us. Mm. And some some of the Jews would refer to God as just the name Shem mm. they mm. just pray to the name mm. and know who they're referring to yeah right and so it's interesting yeah it's saying God you know, sanctify your name your characteristics yeah. let that be revealed throughout so the world so there's this idea that there's this importance in the name mm. Yahweh mm. and then Jesus comes on the scene 
And we, as New Covenant Christians, are taught that there's power in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Can we unpack that? What's going on? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, Yahweh is salvation. Mm. And so it's a perfect name. It's pointing to that, that through Jesus, Yahweh's salvation is revealed. Mm. And Jesus, well, we have to take a step back. Jesus is both God and man. And so in that, he perfectly fulfills the law. Sure. He's the one who can baptize us with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. one who can cleanse us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the great high priest and mediator. Mm. And so in that name, he, as the Apostle Paul says, he's the, uh, he emptied himself, humbled himself, uh, and took on flesh. And uh, he, I can't remember where the rest of the verse goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from yeah. Philippians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, humble himself. But you know what I'm talking about. Um, yes. There you go. I'll pull out here. Yeah, who being the very nature of God, Philippians two Did verse not six, consider being quality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, and found a human likeness, and so and then Paul goes on verse nine. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name. Interesting. That is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Mm. Very cool. It is very cool. So, isn't that a great way to start prayer? Because you actually, ref- you're <clears throat> the point of it is you're actually reflecting on God's goodness. First of all, mm. um, there was a I I did a little course a few years back on a missions course, and they had something on prayer, and they said there's kind of two types of prayer: mm-hmm. cat prayers and dog prayers. Yeah, okay, and if dog. you're a cat person, you know what a cat's like. Well, cats are essentially, I will come to you when you have food for me, yeah. when you clean my litter box, and when you maybe give me pats, depending yeah, on the cat. Kind of selfish. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. Um, where dogs are more loyal, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, they, and so this, in this course, they talked about cat prayers and dog prayers, mm-hmm. and saying, like, most Christians have cat prayers in the sense that all they care about is they just launch off, God, I need this, I need that. It's like mm-hmm. a shopping list. Mm-hmm. But they're saying dog prayers is about actually concerned about God's glory. Mm. And so in the Lord's Prayer, the first frame off is around God and his glory, mm. making his name holy. Mm-hmm. God's holiness, these characteristics are mm. revealed that his kingdom comes, that the visions of Daniel, of the Son of Man, riding mm. on the clouds of heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, the what John sees in the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven actually mm. happens. Mm. It's putting into perspective God's bigger picture. Because um, now we're looking at two. Do you remember that time in the in Exodus where the Israelites sin and God's just like, oh, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to start with you, Moses. Mm-hmm. And Moses goes, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. You've made the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What are the nations going to think? Yeah. And it's the strangest part of scripture. It says yeah. God relented. Yeah, he like changes God's changes. Yeah, and he like was that and he, it's too too hard to discuss here, but Moses goes back to scriptures like this mm. is what you've promised. And in a sense too, Jesus is in a roundabout way saying the same thing. Mm. Hallowed be your name, your mm. kingdom come. May the Old Testament promises yeah. come to fulfillment. Mm. And so you're really pouring back into scripture and remembering mm. that that God is number one, not us. Well, it's interesting that you point to the burning bush for mm. the name. Because mm. I feel like, in a way, 
this like prayer in Luke 11 is sort of retelling the story of like the Exodus, right? Mm. So like mm. Moses, like you know, essentially experiences or hears the mm. name from the burning bush. And the next thing is like, give us our day, our daily bread, mm-hmm. which I kind of like, yeah. when you were speaking about on Sunday, I'm like mm. thinking manna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I think that's such a beautiful illustration yes. of what true daily bread mm. means as, you know, God is providing just enough yeah. manna each day. And even he kind of tells them, st- make, um, mm. fill two sort of urns for the Sabbath and it will be fine. But every other day, if you store more than you need, essentially it will go off. Yep. And I think like that's just like a perfect illusion and idea of what true daily bread looks, looks like, like. Yeah. not sort of storing up for ourselves but being um i, I suppose vulnerable enough mm. to rely on god daily and trusting yeah. that he will meet that daily bread and and to i mentioned it yesterday jesus is riffing off proverbs you got proverbs 30 verse 8 it says keep falsehood and lies far from me give me neither poverty nor riches but give me only my daily bread Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is Yahweh? Or I may become poor and still and so dishonor the name of my God. Mm. Mm, that came up again. Now I'm starting mm. to see Shem or name come up. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure what name is in Greek, but in Hebrew it's Shem. So that's mm. a fun fact. Mm. Seeing this reference to name come up mm. again and again. Mm. So, um, mm. so, yeah, we're seeing like the whole thing. They're not sort of separate ideas. They are all like interwoven yeah. into a, a broader vision mm. of what it looks like. Um, I mean, I think forgive us our sins. We like, we love that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, forgive us all our sins. Yeah, God. Psalm 51, you know, um, cleanse me with his up. Um, exactly. Uh, all that. But for we clean heart. also forgive everyone mm. who sins against us. Um, that's a, that's a hard prayer. That's a very hard prayer. I've got a bit of a um, I've got a bit of a question for mm. you. It's maybe um more philosophical. Okay, yeah. With a bit of theology <laughs> okay. tied into it. What does it look like to truly forgive somebody who keeps on doing wrong by you? I mm. uh, go back to the parable of the unforgiving servant. Mm. So when the context around that's when Peter. God says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Mm. Seven times? Now, in, in the rabbis would teach three times. Mm. It was good enough. Mm. And so seven, if you don't... And again, this is a way knowing context of the Bible is helpful. Seven wasn't just, oh, I've one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, okay, you're done. It was representing of wholeness, completion, and this sense of unlimited. Sure. And then Jesus says, no, 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 I don't tell you seven times, but 77 times or seven times seven, depending mm. on your translation. And sure. Seems like Jesus is riffing off Lamech. Yeah, Lamech. Mm. He's the one who says, "Hey, I killed a man." Yeah. Okay, so like Noah's dad, right? Uh, no, nah, he's the bad one in Genesis. He's the one who kills a man, and he says, "If if Cain's retribution came as sevenfold, mine will be seventy-sevenfold." Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so it seems like Jesus is riffing off that this idea that's unlimited, and so, and then he talks about that parable. Of the servant, obviously the servant owes, you know, let's just say 500, no, 500 million or something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge figure. It's this yeah. it's denarius, like it's a couple mm. of denarius, like, you know, the, the, <laughs> the wealth of a <laughs> gross domestic produce of a mm. country yeah. for stuff. Like it's this astronomical figure and it's forgiven. And then the, a fellow servant owes, mm. you know, a few hundred dollars mm. and he can't forgive them. 
And so forgiveness needs to be radical. Mm. Um, yeah, I often, I've mentioned Miroslavov a couple of times. He's got a lot of resources on giving and receiving forgiveness, yeah. particularly surviving the war in Bosnia. And he was challenged by um, Jürgen Moltmann. Have you heard of him? Famous mm, German, 20th right. century German theologian. And he listened to Miroslav Wolf give this lecture. And he says, well, could you give the same forgiveness um, to the Bosnians? And he's like, oh, geez, that is a big sure. ask. Um, and so he had to really unpack that. Um, Corrie Ten Boon. So she, there's a story that she gave her testimony after being in the Nazi um, concentration camp for rescuing Jews. And then one of the men came and says, oh, I was one of the guards. Can you forgive me, sister? And she's like, oh, this. She remembered the man. He treated her poorly. And she did. She gave him forgiveness. And mm. easier said than done. Mm. But the, as the radical nature of the cross calls us to do that. Mm. And we see Jesus. He, yeah, well, I was just reading through Matthew the other day. You just see the enemies. He builds up Pharisees, Sadducees. They were all against him. And mm. even the Romans, he's being crucified. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. Yeah. They do not know what they're doing. Mm. And so that's the difference between us as Christians and the rest of the world. And it's in the Sermon on Mount. Jesus is like, hey, anyone can forgive. Yeah. The pagans and the tax collectors, they love those who love yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to be different. You've got to forgive those who've wronged you, mm. those who are your enemies. Mm. And yeah, I, I, I've never really had to forgive someone for something horrendous. Mm. Um, I can share from my mum's perspective. My mum grew up in a fairly broken family, so mm. her mum died when she was 13. And her father remarried within one month. Wow. Like, yeah, it's just insane. And he, she, he, he married, like, a fairly wicked woman. And uh, that's why I thought all step-parents <clears throat> were evil. Because mm. Cinderella... Well, also, you grew up on Disney. So uh, you know, Cinderella and, yeah, yeah mum's stepmother. And it's really interesting. When I was living, as I got older, like, I was sheltered from a lot of this stuff as a kid. Like, mum's father died when I was six. So I didn't really understand what happened but as I grew older and started spending more time with my relatives, there's just this bitterness. Um, yeah, particularly against mum's stepmother. And she's passed away now. Yeah. And interesting, mum held no bitterness. Like, and these mm. were supposed Christians, just hatred and bitterness. And it almost just eroded them. And they never, they didn't think that my pop was in the wrong. They just blamed her completely. Yeah. And, but anyway, I just asked mum and she just said, look, I forgave her. Simple as that. I just, it, and even though mum never had the chance to actually do it face to face, she goes, oh, I just forgave her and just mm. found that freedom. Mm. So that's what it looks like. So, mm. and, and mum's like, I, I'm not the one suffering. All yeah. her cousins, all her aunts and uncles that kept this bitterness mm. against her stepmother, all I did was just eat them up inside. And yeah, that's why it says in the Bible, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord to quote the old King James, there's mm. this sense of... And, and learning to turn the other cheek and forgiveness, you're in a sense, it's a... I'm going to use a fancy word, eschatological act. You're actually saying, God, you'll restore this one day. Mm. 
I'm going to trust in you for restoration in the future. I can forgive someone that's done these horrible acts to me because mm. I know one day you will return mm. and restore all wrongs to right. Mm. Um, yeah, still easy to say, very hard well, to I was do. Just, I was just, <coughs> just to get their names right, I was just yeah. quickly looking it up. I, I think people still probably remember um, the, those two parents, uh, Danny and Leila Abdallah. Who they mm. they so they're eight year old, uh, they're twelve year old, thirteen year old, and their cousin as well mm. were run over by like a drunk driver. Mm. And I remember when this came out in the news. I think this was last year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, people just being so two years ago now, mm. twenty twenty, people were struck like Christians mm. and non Christians alike, like mm-hmm. Christians as well. I feel like were struck <laughs> by this idea that like the day after these um, reporters are like interviewing mm. them to talk about their three children and you know their mm. nephew I suppose who just been killed by a drunk driver and all they could say was like we, we forgive this guy like we don't hate him we love him we forgive him and I'm just struck by how sort of pervasive that was in mm. the cultural conversation the people are like whoa that is so countercultural mm. to what we are used to I think anybody would think that you are justified to hold a bit of a grudge for somebody who um, recklessly endangered and, and mm. ended the life of your children and your nephew. Like, you know, it's just the epitome, I think, of just carelessness and selfishness and, you know, just tragic loss. And yet we see in this moment they point to their faith in Christ point to the sort of forgiveness mm. that Jesus in Luke 11 is calling yeah, yeah. us to extend mm. to our you know those who who sin against us and that 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 really shines the light of Jesus a lot more than you know just saying hey Jesus yeah. loves you when people see how you treat your enemies mm. right so i reckon there's a lot to say there for the power that mm. that has to show the the the, the the full magnitude of Christ. Um, and then the last sort of like passage in, in this Luke 11 prayer is, and lead us not into temptation. You mm. said something really interesting that when we read that, we need to be careful that we're not misinterpreting that as God does lead us into temptation. <coughs> yeah. um, so what, do, what does that kind of look yeah. like? So it's this idea that for us is to avoid the temptation because the book of James says God does not you know, tempt us or yeah. lead us into temptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's sort of this strange way of saying, Lord, protect us from the temptation. Mm. Uh, there was, again, going back to the rabbis, there was, there's sort of this, uh, I don't know, I guess you'd say myth story about David and he was praying, you know, Lord, test me like Abraham. And they're saying God gave him Bathsheba and failed terribly. Mm. In a sense, it's almost better not to be put in that place. Mm. You know, lead us not into temptation. You know, help us to avoid that, not to be put in a yeah. situation where we're compromised. But if we are in that situation where we're compromised, give us the strength to mm. persevere and overcome it. Like mm. what Jesus uh, prayed in the garden, yet not my will but yours be done. Mm. I think that's that embodies that part of lead us not into temptation, not my will Mm. but yours be done lord Mm. i loved a lot of the um quotes that you sort of picked out Mm. this week um you you got some of the the big dogs the theological fathers (laughs) yes or not yeah anyway martin luther 
Um, yes. Great, you know, the... Well, yeah, I don't know. The uh, founder of Protestantism. Yeah, you can say so. Fuck you know. Yeah. Fuck you know. Like all of us. Yeah. After I looked at church history, I was kind of like, yeah, maybe it was slightly romanticised. Yeah. Look, but, look, like all of us, Luther was a sinner. He needed grace. But, but an impressive man, nevertheless. A very impressive man. And look, you know, we can learn from his teachings. So he things. says, "I well, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, yeah. I'm so busy <laughs> yes. that I need to pray for three hours a yeah. day. I reckon there's so many people who feel like they're too busy to read scripture, yeah. to pray. Um, I actually had some advice when I was in doing my HSC, and one of the guys from my old church was like, because I was just telling him how stressed out I was, mm. and how, how much I was just struggling, as I think is a pretty, mm, you know, common. just standard experience mm. for a year 12 student. Um, and he said, oh, like, do you, like, pray before you, like, study? I was like, oh, no, dude, like, I've only got an hour to study, like, for each subject each night. Like, I've got it all mm. set out on, like, a Excel <laughs> I'm making myself sound a lot more studious than I actually was. <laughs> but long story short, he said, if you pray for five minutes before you start studying, you will find that you're, you, you have more effective studying and, and mm. more time than you need. And I reckon, like, that's, that's sort of, in a much grander way, what Martin Luther's saying here, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I, I remember hearing uh, a missionary when I was at college and he was talking about spiritual warfare and yeah. the importance of prayer. And he, I can't remember which agency it was. Whatever agency, they really changed how they did their meetings. They go, we used to... Uh, I won't say anything before, but we used to meet... Um, you know, have our, have our big yearly plan meetings. We'd go away for three days and we might pray for an hour across those three days. Sure. Uh, so we suddenly changed it. We basically just spent two days in prayer and we got more done on that mm. final day. And, and as, as products of the West, we're very practical people. Yeah. You know, like I, I have my business degree and I've just finished a governance course. Mm. Um, yeah, and we, I like strategic planning and doing all that stuff. It's all important, but it can take the place of prayer. Mm. And sometimes I think, oh, we have these giant long meetings which just have the little <laughs> little token prayer at the, the beginning, a little token yeah. prayer at the end. Mm. And you might have a three-hour meeting. And it's like, uh, what if we somehow flip that? <laughs> Three hours of prayer and maybe mm. ten minutes of meeting could be more helpful. And that's what this guy was saying for their agency. It worked really well. I know another pastor in the States for their monthly elders meeting says, oh, we spend about an hour in prayer and then we have the meeting. Mm. And, um, so I find stuff like that deeply challenging. Prayer is like a muscle. Um, like yesterday I was talking about how we have relationships, marriage, parents, kids, and friendship. Mm. And you do that out of love. Mm. And our prayer life with God should be driven by love. Mm. But it can be difficult mm. to learn to pray, particularly if you kind of been modelled very just short prayers. Mm. Like, say, before church, which obviously we're time-constrained. We just pray for five minutes mm. and then sort of disappear. Is that So the idea of praying for, like, four hours mm. extended is very hard, even an hour. And so there's a book called The Hour That Changes the World mm. by Dick Eastman, I think it is. It was written a while ago, and he breaks an hour into f um, 12 five-minute segments, mm. with each sort of mm. segment having a different aspect. Mm. And he said, like, even just start off with one minute mm. for the 12. That's 12 minutes more prayer than you were doing before. Sure, and sure. build it up. And, yeah. so, and so while he said it, 
for some people they like that structure and he says you can feel free to change it it's like luther with the track to peter the barber it's a guide to help focus prayer as baptists we don't really do liturgy very well mm. we're sort of a bit anti that writing yeah. down prayers we kind of just lead by the spirit but yeah nt wright being an anglican mm. a famous new testament scholar he actually says liturgy is really good. It keeps your prayer life focused. And he's, you know, very prim, mm, proper voice. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It really resonated with me. I was like, yeah, he's right. We often just sort of just kind of pray a bit yeah. on the whim and, you know, oh, Lord, pray for this person who's got this and I need strength for this. And mm. where he goes, liturgy helps keep you focused and on what the important things are. And so something like the Lord's Prayer, using that as a basis or getting the... You can just find it on Google, the hour it changes the world. There's a free like diagram mm. of how it is. You have mm. your praise, your forgiveness, etc. You can just help guide your prayer so you're not being mm. just all me, me, mm. me, 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 cat prayers, but praying for God's glory. And part and part of you say like, I've got the Apostles' Prayer, like it's really it, it, each letter of Paul's there's a sense not a sense, he, he writes prayers at the beginning of them. You know, Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And then mm. he, he ties that in with, like, Jesus' glory. This is the same spirit that raised, the same spirit that lives in you, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And which points back to some sort of Trinitarian aspect mm. of God and what he's done through Jesus. And so it's mm. constantly reminding ourselves that God is number one, not us. I was trying to look up just now what the those 12 sort of segments yeah, yeah. are. Can you remember them off the top uh, of your head? It's been a while since I read the book. I don't think I have it anymore. I might have given yeah. it away. The hour that changes the world. That changes the world. Let's see what we got here. No internet. Come back <laughs> later. That's all right. I hear you, God. It's all yeah. good. Um, well, I just want to like finish. This was kind yep. of the, um, for me, um, my favorite takeaway of the mm. message yesterday, um, which was this Goldsworthy quote, which again, yeah. I'm going to like completely just paraphrase. That's right. I can read um, it in the study. But yeah, exactly. Uh, little plug for the study. Um, so he essentially was saying legalism mm. and emotional blackmail are not the way to a healthy prayer life. Mm. Um, but we should instead, our prayer life should be fueled by love, yeah. not by guilt. Yeah, and that, that quote really helped me a lot because mm. I was very much driven by guilt. Mm. I was a very guilt-ridden Christian for a long time. I didn't mm. read like Luther, and just be like, oh man, I'm such a failure. We, sure. Where they are, I'm such a failure. What a terrible Christian I am, and just be living in this constant guilt where, yeah, yeah that quote really just reframed my mindset. Mm. It's like, well, why am I actually doing this? Mm. It's just a, I don't think too deep down, it was almost like trying to get brownie points with God. Sure. I want to just tick the box. I want to be a good Christian. Mm. And it's like, well, if I, I, uh, that, that's what made me think about my relationship with my wife and kids. It's like, well, if I, just, I don't just tick a box with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, okay, tick, I have done my duty for today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's actually a deeper relationship. Mm. Yeah, and it should be the same with God, driven mm. out of love. Mm. So good. Mm. So we've moved on from prayer. What are we looking mm. at? Actually looking at tithing slash giving slash stewardship, sort of. All, right. All that in one. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So good. So yeah, good. Looking you know. forward to it. Any, any little sort of teaser on that? Yeah, so we're going to unpack um, sort of the concept of humans as stewards. So yeah. in Genesis, yeah. what we've been called to do. Looking at God's ownership of it, like resources. Sure. And him as the divine landlord. 
mm. as tenants. And so mm. obviously that Old Testament idea, the land is God's and mm. we are tenants of it. And then yeah. and then sort of wrapping up with Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Mm. And so, yeah, obviously tithing, giving, you know, stewardship, however you want to call it, it's mm. a big part of church life. And it's always been a big part of the worship of God's people. And so exploring that, not just about making the church richer or paying pastors' salaries, but in a sense it's an act of trusting God that he's given you everything. So I'm going to give back to you knowing that you will provide abundantly. So mm, Really cool. The divine landlord. Divine landlord. I need myself one of those. <laughs> divine <laughs> landlord. Well, Mitch, yeah. thank you very much thank again you, uh, for this chat. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this week. I reckon that we need to finish in the Lord's Prayer oh, this morning. The question is, dealer's choice, which one are we going to do? <laughs> Let's do Matthew. Sounds great. All right. All right. I'd love to read it. So. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Amen. Catch you Sunday. Yeah, too, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.